This is Seeds for Success, a show where we have a good yarn about ag life with producers who are having a go. On the show, you'll hear from farmers in New South Wales who are out there battling the elements, making tough calls and getting the job done. You'll get a laugh out of some of their stories and also pick up some know-how along the way. I'm your host, Narrowly Brennan. Today, we're bringing you something a little special. To celebrate our one-year anniversary of the launching of Seeds for Success, we're introducing three new dynamic, and as you'll hear, very interesting characters to the team. You may have noticed that one of our original podcast legends, District Vet Jill Kelly, hasn't graced the airwaves over the last few episodes. Now, Jill's a woman of many talents, and I can assure you she's still out there getting her hands dirty, painting up a storm, and continuing to yarn with all the great characters across the Central West and beyond. But she's taking a little break from Seeds for Success as we welcome some extra talent into the team to share new stories with you over the coming months. In this episode, we'll introduce you to the new Seeds for Success team members and ask them to share a little of their background with you. You'll also hear why they're so passionate about working alongside our farmers to build a secure and successful future for agriculture in our region. Local Land Services Mixed Farming Officer Callan Thompson gathered together Jasmine Wells, Tim Bartimote and Rowan Leach for this fun introductory chat. So g'day everyone. Today I'm speaking with our new podcast hosts. Today I thought it would be good to have a chat Some of our listeners may know you guys. I'm sure you're all active members of the Central West Local Land Services team and people have probably met you at field days and different events that you might be holding. But just to give everyone an idea of who you are and and what you do and and what you're going to be bringing to this podcast, so I thought I'd just catch up with you and, and have a bit of a yarn. So I guess what I might do is just go around the room and ask a few questions. We've mentioned already when we were working this out between the team that you guys haven't seen these questions, so you're going to know really what our podcast interviewees feel like when you ring them up and start asking them questions. So, Tim, I might just start with you. Can you just give me a bit of a rundown of what you do at LLS? I'm sure all of us would like to know, wouldn't we, Rowan? <laughs> well, that's, that's, just, that's just rude. But sure, Callan, no worries. Yeah, so Tim Bartomate, I'm the... Uh, Cropping officer at Central West Local Land Services based in Dubbo. And back in the day, I used to hail as a commercial agronomist and come from a farming family that pokes about near Gill and Dubbo. Basically, my job entails trying to identify new technologies, new information, new strategies in the cropping industry and how we can produce more effectively, more efficiently, more sustainably, and just pass on that information to growers and demonstrate that in the field and get them in touch with what's new and flash in the industry so that we can improve as a as a whole really and kick goals that way. Oh, very good. Thanks, Tim. Jazz, can you give me a rundown on what you do with LLS? So I'm a senior land services officer in the natural resource management team and I manage a couple of different projects. One of those is the soil and land rehabilitation project. So very agriculturally focused but also working on ways to farm more sustainably and improve soil health so just getting that whole ecosystem services happening on farm and increasing productivity and the other project that I manage is the Mallyfowl Matters project which is very much an environmental project however most of the 
actions within that project also benefit productivity as well. And then on top of that, there's a little bit of other stuff I do within the team that other members of the team also do, such as plant ID and working on helping people improve grazing management, that type of stuff. So I also have a background in agronomy, so a very agriculturally focused background, having grown up on a mixed farming property. And I'm from Hilston out in Western New South Wales originally. So I'm based in Condo now in the Central West. So very similar to out at Hilston, but over east things are done slightly differently. So it's great. Thanks, Jess. Rowan, can you give me a rundown on what you do with LLS? Sure. Thanks, Cal. My background is also in agronomy, so it rounds out uh, the quartet of agronomists in the room. So I'm the regional ag land care facilitator for Central West. I consider myself the sustainable ag extension officer. Anything that's got a bit of a sustainable leaning towards it, I'm interested in. And with a bit of a background in dual purpose cropping and pastures and pasture establishment, yeah, I've got a real interest in those areas. I deal pretty closely with land care and and producer groups across the Central West and help in that space of grants and a bit of a dog's body in that topic. Yeah. Very good. Thanks, Rowan. So, Tim, I think we've mentioned that a few of us are agronomists. Your background's agronomy. How does that help in your current role, that commercial agronomy background? Oh, in a number of ways. So, I guess to kind of give more detail into what I do every day, a lot of it can get tailed down to advice. So, farmers might ring up and be like, hey, I've got this issue, this soil issue, or this plant issue or what's this weed and so my agronomy background really assists in that because I've come across that in my previous life I guess you could say and then it also helps me understand what issues producers and agronomists would like to see looked into a bit more or what research that's coming through the pipeline might interest them in their enterprise and so one of the examples of that is there was a lot of interest in controlling ryegrass in our region and so we saw a project on integrated weed management and out of that, we started a pre-emergent demonstration site in Narromining Parks. And so that got a lot of interest from producers and agros to see this new chemistry versus old chemistry and how it can best suit farmers in controlling ryegrass and wheat in particular. That's something that interested me as an agro, and I know still interests agros and producers and how we can kind of tie those two things together, the new research or the new products and that sort of stuff and how they fit into our current practices. Oh, thanks, Tim. So, Jazz, I think you've probably been with LLS the longest out of the four of us. I'd just like you to give me an example of a, a project that you've really found rewarding that you've worked on while you've been with us at LLS. Sure. Thanks, Cal. So, I'm fortunate in that I really do believe in what we do. So, I've found everything that I've worked on to be really rewarding, but the one that I'm Probably most interested in would be anything to do with soils because I really do have an environmental focus, but I really am passionate about agriculture and that just combines those two things really well. So when I can go out and have a look at a job, I guess one really simple example would be if it's to do with erosion, where we can go out, we can give the producer a range of different options that would help to not only fix that immediate problem, but also work on what's causing that problem. So whether that be changing some of their grazing management or working on converting from tillage 
operation to a no-till or just taking those little steps in between that producers that, you know, they're usually considering themselves anyway, but sometimes we help provide that link to get there possibly that little bit quicker. That's probably the most rewarding for me when I can really get boots on the ground and I'm out there actually making a difference. So that project, yeah, it's definitely my favourite when I'm out there and I'm actually making the difference that I always thought that this type of role would do. Yeah, I think one of the things I've found working for LLS that there's not too many people that aren't really passionate about what we do and believe in what we do. And I think that's one of the real benefits of our organisation. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, it's so positive to come to work and be able to talk to those like-minded people about the really positive things that we are out there doing. And I think that keeps driving us to keep doing better because, you know, we're all aiming for the same goals. And Rowan, I guess you're one of the people within our team that sort of lives what you do at work. You've got a little bit of a livestock system going on at home. Can you give me a bit of a rundown on what you're doing and and what the plan is? I could probably give you a rundown on what not to do, Cal, but my wife and I have just this year stepped into the livestock market. Pretty good timing, I know, into cattle. Both of us having grown up on livestock farms, yeah, it's just something we're keen to get into ourselves and Purchasing our own piece of land one day is definitely the goal and I think just doing a bit of livestock trading and, yeah, sort of running stock on adjustment or lease is our goal in the short term to try and help us in the long term. Very good. So, Tim, for most of us doing this sort of job like podcasting and microphones and all the technology that we use was very new to me when I first kicked this off and, and I think it's the same for Jazz and Rowan but not so much yourself. Can you give me a bit of a rundown on what you do after work? Oh, many things. Always trying to keep myself out of mischief. The ponytail's definitely a giveaway, I reckon, Cal. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to put some photos up just so people know what you're referring to, Rowan. It might hurt people's eyes, I reckon. Um, Yeah, for those who don't know, I've currently invested in a a COVID rogue look. My hair's gone a bit wild, the beard's untrimmed, so I'm trying to find a barber, but currently in lockdown, so my... Scissors might have to suffice. But really, yeah, I kind of muck around with a few things. And one of those used to be, not as much anymore, but I like to call myself a bit of a musician. Not everyone says that, but I do. And I used to delve around with a bit of online music making, I guess you could say. And I have dabbled in the old gig making as well. Did a wedding for someone in this very room, actually, which was interesting. And it was a cracking bit of time. So I learned a lot about microphones and interviewing and Sound quality, not very good at it, but I learned a bit about it. Yeah, so it's kind of given me an edge, I guess, on the, the podcasting scene, but also it's a bit of a hindrance because gear's not cheap. So I learned that the hard way. But hopefully it comes in handy when we do the podcast and chatting to producers and, yeah, can really identify quickly what's going on if there's an issue. I'm sure it'll be good, Tim. And if they get a bit bored, you could probably sing them a song or play the guitar to them. That'll help liven things up a bit. I can definitely provide a reference for, for Timmy's singing abilities. He's not half bad. It may change the vibe of the podcast, I think, but country music's not a bad thing, is it? It's a good combination of both. So, Jazz, from memory, I think you've got horses. What do you get up to on the weekend? (laughs) Yeah, I do have horses. I like horses, therefore don't like money. So, I had all sorts of intentions of competing when I got back into horses. So, I went a few years without them, just like everyone else, just, you know, between uni and career and harvest contracting, a few different things like that. I just didn't get around 
to having horses again. And when I did, I had all these dreams that I was here to go camp drafting and I've got a few friends that are bow races and thought I'd give that a go. And anyway, none of that's really eventuated. So I do a little bit of contract mustering here and there. And I did get into a bit of endurance riding, did a bit of that. That was a bit of fun. Uh, It keeps you fit. But mainly just riding, working on improving things and I'm always sort of striving. I'm surrounded by some really good horse people, so I'm always sort of striving to get that little bit better and do what they do. It sounds like people with horses always need to have deep pockets. Yes, yeah, you do. There's, <laughs> there's always some new shiny saddle pad or when you're not buying that sort of stuff. I think horses tend to have this ability to know when your bank account's just catching up to where it should be and they find a fence to get themselves stuck <laughs> into or... Yeah. <laughs> I thought that uh, horse owners were always pretty wealthy. They always seem to be driving F250s and, and goosenecks. I don't know about that. <laughs> I actually had this joke with my husband about that because we recently built a new house and I was, yeah, I said, you know, if we didn't do that, like, we, you know, we could have bought a really flash gooseneck and we could have just lived in that. But, you know, I got a fairly solid no on that. So <laughs> that, wasn't, <laughs> um, that wasn't an option apparently. I know as soon as my wife started talking about our kids getting horses, I went out and bought them motorbikes. I reckon that's <laughs> a much cheaper option. Oh, it honestly is. But yeah, it teaches, you know, it does teach kids so many things, you know, those responsibilities and that ability to look after someone but yourself at a young age. But yeah, financially, absolutely, completely agree with your decision there, Cal. <laughs> I don't know if I was that happy about it only a couple of weeks ago when my nine-year-old rode into a dam with the motorbike and I had to jump in and uh, pull him out. And, yeah, fairly unpleasant. <laughs> See, had you have been keen for the horses, you wouldn't have had to do that. would have just got itself out. Rowan, I know travelling around the countryside with you, you're pretty keen on podcasts and you listen to a few yourself. What's your favourite podcast? Oh, the Seeds for Success podcast, of course, Cal. <laughs> Good answer, mate. Good answer. I do have a couple of podcasts I listen to and most of them do evolve around rugby or sport. But yeah, I do your classics, the Richard Feidler, his voice just sends me to sleep almost. So I probably shouldn't listen to it while I'm driving. But yeah, conversations, some green and gold rugby is another another good podcast I listen to. So yeah, there's a, there's a couple in my list. Hamish and Andy as well. They're hilarious. Timmy and I driving around together, we'll try and power move each other as well. Any, any Hamish and Andy listeners out there? Have you tried that air conditioning one on anyone recently? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Oh, I feel like we should fill in the listeners if they don't. If they I agree. I've across this one before. So when you're driving along, so everyone knows what power moves after they've listened to Hamish and Andy where you're trying to one-up each other essentially and if you're driving in the car and you know someone's coming with you, you set the temperature down a bit lower and so it's a bit cold. And then as you're traveling, eventually your passenger will be finally will be like, no, this is too cold. And they'll turn it up themselves. And that's when you look over and you say, you're a bit cold, mate. <laughs> and then electric guitar sound comes over the top. <laughs> so, uh, Tim, my next question for you, I know you're always up to date with new technologies and, and what's, what's new in agriculture. But I just want to know what technology coming up do you think is going to be a real game changer? Well, it depends who you ask, I guess. But if you ask me, I reckon robots and robotics is really going to be the next big thing. I think that's been saying that for a while now, but been dabbling in what's new and fresh in that area. And even in the weed, weed space, like with 
AI and the ability for like an example is like green on green, being able to identify weeds in a crop and now just spray them out individually will save massive amounts on chemical. But also just in the future beyond that, I think we'll see a lot less cabins and a lot more tractors driving themselves around and drones flying themselves around and that sort of thing. So I don't know when, but yeah, in the future, I'd say that's going to be the next biggest thing. We've already seen a lot of universities and a lot of different companies come out with their own versions of this and then try and integrate that into a fleet, I guess you could say, where you have one tractor doing this and, you know, you've got one robot spraying weeds, you've got another robot sowing something. Like, you just look on YouTube, you could spend probably too much time seeing all the different companies and the new robots they're coming through. So it's very exciting time to be agriculture. It's also going to be very different, I think, across the landscape. Probably have one bloke in his office controlling robots and I'd say that you'd probably see more engineers on farm, perhaps, and then more people um, sipping lattes in the office. So I don't know how that's going to go. But, yeah, that's something that I've been seeing. I don't know. What do you, what do you bet? You, Cal, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I don't want to see cabless tractors. I'm happy for driverless tractors, but I still want somewhere to sit. I was doing a bit of drone training and they were showing us some pictures of people sitting in these drone consoles managing, I think they're actually Air Force drones, but they're all sitting in this little box with a computer screen in front of them. And yeah, I don't think that's farming. I'm happy to do it, but I want to be sitting in the tractor so I can look out at the view and yeah, tell my wife I'm actually busy doing something. So yeah, I think that swarm technology, green on green, green on brown, all that sort of stuff's really cool. It'll be still nice to to have people involved, I think. I think you still need the people. Jazz, my next question's for you. I guess if, if I was a farmer wanting to improve the natural resources on my farm, where should I start? Throwing the hard questions out. Uh, join, join land care, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think Rowan's right there. You'd certainly reach out and see what is available locally in the way of advice and so I guess you'd do a stock take of what you've got and get a bit of a plan of where you'd want to be. So ideally, you know, you'd have a farm plan and you'd be working towards certain goals. So regardless of what you want to improve, I guess you'd really need to know what your end goal is and like your short, medium, long term. And that would be the question if someone rang me and said, I want to do this. And that could be something as simple as putting in a tree line or, you know, moving to a more sustainable grazing management system. I guess my question then would be why? What's your goal? What would you like to achieve? Whether that leads to lifestyle improvements or whether their goal is to increase their carrying capacity or their goal is to improve biodiversity, soil health. You know, there's a whole different range of reasons why people do things. As we all know, we're all driven by money, but that's not really why people do what they do, especially in agriculture. So that would be my first bit of advice would be, what have you got? What do you want it for? Where do you want to end up? So knowing what you want. Thanks, Jazz. Rowan, from you, I just want to know, what's the big issue in agriculture that keeps you up at night? Oh, that's a good question too, Cal. I would say I spent a little bit of time in the Northern Territory in 2018 and 19, which was a bloody good time to get out of agronomy because not much was <laughs> happening in those years in the Central West. Advocacy, I think, for farmers is, is important. But upon coming back and just coming back to those terrible dust storms and starving stock and farmers yeah going through mental health issues and livestock being shot in the paddock sort of thing i just think the thing that really 
keeps me awake still is trying to get ground cover, like get producers to realise how important ground cover is for just everything in their farming system, whether it's keeping their soil secured and not eroded, leads into providing moisture capture for their crops and, yeah, other NRM benefits, keeps their livestock fat. So I think ground cover is probably, and maintaining our ground cover, looking after our pastures and our soils, that's probably what, yeah, really keeps me up at night. Yeah, I tend to agree with you with that, Rowan. Unfortunately, you made the right decision of being up north while the drought was going on. I was up north pre the last three years of drought and came home in the middle of it. So I reckon you're the smarter man. Yeah, pretty pretty good lifestyle up there as well. But, it is. Um, we've all got to grow up at some stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I reckon that was my midlife crisis. My wife tells me that's all I'm allowed to have as a midlife crisis anyway. So, Tim, what topics are you planning to cover over the next couple of months in the podcast? To be honest, I, I probably don't have lockdown topics. I've just got interesting producers that have had a real, I guess, like the show's all about, had a real crack at something and have a good story to tell. And so, to start with, yeah, there's a few young guys who have had a decent crack at having a start in, in the farming industry and kind of brought in some new ideas, shifted things around a bit. And they've just got some interesting stories to tell all the way from adding in a dog operation, so sheep dog operation, all the way through to new technology that's available and getting their hands on that as quick as they could, all the way to guys with heaps of experience, been a long time in the industry, doing things slightly differently and demonstrating how it's not always squares following a square hole. There's a few circles and triangles out there still doing good things in ag. And so I'm, I'm really interested in hearing how they did it, what they did and why they do it. And it all falls within the cropping sphere, but they're not all the same. That's for sure. Speaking to some young producers, and I think we had to explain to the guys who actually produce, do the technical side of developing the, the seeds for success, that in agriculture, youngs, anyone that's less than 60. <laughs> it's based on how you feel, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. Jazz, what topics are you planning to talk about over the next couple of months? So I haven't actually ran it past all of you guys and I certainly haven't rang all of the people that I've written on that list, but there's a range of different things that just, you know, I'll be sitting there I think, oh, that'd be really cool to talk about that. So one is mental health in agriculture. So someone who's a farmer herself, they run a mixed farming operation, but she also works in mental health is a really strong advocate for the community here and attends a lot of our workshops and just a really community-minded person as well as being a smart farmer. So that's one of them that I'm excited about because, you know, it's a really good combination of that mental health aspect, but a very realistic way. You know, should we be talking about it realistically because it's something we all know about, we think about, but doesn't often really come to the forefront of conversation when we're talking to our mates. So that'll be a good one. And just a little bit about different types of marketing and different types of farming where there's one person who's, they sort of have a shared organic covenant across properties. So that one will be something a bit different. There's a couple of young people in Condo who are doing some cool things. You know, they've got some online platforms as well as running their own farms. So I haven't approached them yet, but I'm hoping that they'll want to have a chat to me and there's a young couple who moved to condo as well who've got a property here and you know they also one's a land care facilitator and other one's a stock agent so I'm going to get those two together just to talk about moving into a small area 
becoming a part of the community and building their livestock up as well, their business. So just a few different ideas and also a couple of guys who were doing some really cool stuff with sustainable grazing and different options there. So yeah, bit of a variety that I still need to get the okay from you guys about. No, that sounds good. I, I look forward to it. And I know a few of the people that you have got on your list are going to be really good people to listen to. It sounds pretty exciting, Jess. Yeah, I hope so. They need to carry me through it. <laughs> and Rowan, what have you got in store for us? Mate, I am probably just pick my guys off. They've just got interesting stories. So yeah, probably more of a animal bent to my sort of planned podcast. There's a bloke with Dorpers that is really pushing the the boundaries. I'm, I'm probably, yeah, really into that sort of intensification. Hopefully, I'll look at a few enterprises that are doing things that aren't just the, the mixed mix farming. I'm hopefully looking at a few dairy farms and, and some veggie farms. So, yeah, just just looking to get some interesting stories out there and, and people that are doing, doing things differently. Yeah, so I guess that the benefit that our listeners have got now with, with the three of you guys coming on board is that we've got such variety in terms of locations and knowledge bases and interests. I think with Jill and I, it was livestock focus being a, a vet, even though she did talk about things that were uh, not just vet stuff. I know I've been to mention that I'm talking a little bit too much about tropical grasses, which... That's impossible, Cal. Well, well, that's what I thought, Ron, but uh, there's some real benefits to the skills and knowledge you guys all bring. And I think people are going to be very interested to hear your upcoming interviews, and I know I am. I'm sort of getting sick of hearing my own voice, so it's going to be good to get some other voices in here. So thanks, guys, for giving up your afternoons today and, and having this yarn. I think the next time people hear you narrowly will be introducing you in the Seeds for Success podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cal. Thanks, Cal. Cheers, Cal. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Central West Local Land Services. Local Land Services delivers advice and support to farmers, landholders and the community across New South Wales. To learn more, you can find us online by searching for Central West Local Land Services. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed today, as well as links to relevant articles, fact sheets, events and other helpful resources, we've added those into the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. Hey, and while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other farmers find the show. I'm your host, Narrowly Brennan, and I'll chat to you next time.